Hi, this is Diana Galatney, Queen of Video Simplified, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. Again, so glad and excited you decided to spend some of your hard-earned time with me today. And as you heard from the introduction, I have back Diana Gladney. Diana, how are you? I am fantastic. Thanks so much for having me back. It's so fun to be here. Well, I appreciate that. Again, glad that you're here. And for those of you who don't remember Diana, she mentioned that she is the queen of video simplified. Her entire business is about taking what seems complex in the area of video and making it simple for you and me, regardless of the platform that you use. So because you guys know I am a creature of habit and I do all of my notes, let me tell you a little bit about Diana off of here. And she is what I call the video queen. She helps busy entrepreneurs simplify video creation so they can amplify their business and brand using video. That's part one. Here's part two. She takes the seemingly complicated topics of video marketing and tech tutorials and makes them so simple and easy anyone can share their purpose, message, and brand with those who need it most. Now, who doesn't need Diana now? I think everybody who's watching and or listening to this can say, I need that, even if you don't even have a business. Because I promise you, even if you don't have a business, you have a brand. So, Diana. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention something that's extremely important here. Of all the content that Diana has created on YouTube, she has over 1.5 million downloads. Folks, that's impressive. Very impressive. So, well done, Diana. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. So I want to jump right in because if folks want to see more of our what I'll call introductory kind of interview, I will put a link down in the show notes to that previous episode. But I want to jump in headfirst and start talking about, okay, I want to talk to the person who is either struggling with creating their videos or knows they need to start and hasn't. So Let's start with this idea of equipment, because I think that is a huge barrier for a lot of people, especially brands out there. They're not sure what they need to have before they even think about what they're going to create. So help us with the beginning point. Yeah, for sure. So tech is always the biggest frustration that a lot of people run into. And it mostly comes from the idea and the mindset that the best example of a video or whatever process that you're looking at, it could be for podcasting or video podcasting even, you're looking at that version and you're like, okay, I have to do that. And you've picked usually the most complicated thing that you've ever seen that takes teams to do. And you're like, now how can I do that as a solo creator? I can't, and then you, that's the end of the, the sentence right there. But uh, content creation using cameras and technology, honestly is yes, as we all know, and probably have heard by now, it is as simple as your phone, but if you're wanting to move from your smartphone into other things, there's very simple, easy to use cameras that can help transition from using, you know, whatever 
limitations you may find yourself running into with a smartphone and start running into uh, using a camera in a very easy way that doesn't have to be complex. So uh, that's the thing. Tech doesn't have to be complicated, but most people, the image they have in their mind is a complicated image. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let me let me throw this out because it's a question I've had. And I bet if I've had it, other people have it. So let's say, all right, you've convinced me to the point that I'm like, all right, I'm not going to use my phone mostly. Now, there are for certain things and we'll get into shorts, you know, reels, stories, whatever you want to say. We'll get into those mm -hmm. in a minute, which the phone is perfect for. Right. Or I'm talking about longer type content or the horizontal content, as we talked about earlier off air. If I want to graduate from my phone to something else, why go to a camera versus a webcam? Let me ask that first. Because it makes sense to have a dedicated tool that one isn't tied down to only one specific function. When you start looking at a camera, this gives you portability options outside of, same way like your phone. You usually carry it with you, which is why you can create, capture content anywhere, like phone calls anywhere, all of that versus a landline that's only in the home. That's most people probably don't even have a landline anymore. And I'm pretty, pretty sure some people in, you know, some generations now that don't know what a landline is, <laughs> <laughs> they don't know the dangers and the horrors of an extension cord, you know, so it, it, they don't worry about it. So that's the that's the difference. A webcam is kind of like that that landline. It's not bad. It does have a, a specific function, but it's stuck in that one particular function. Can you hack it around to, you know, make it work for you? Is it still small and portable for travel? Yes. But if you're sitting on a 16 hour plane ride and you want to document some of that experience, how are you going to hook up a webcam and really, you know, set it up in that sense? Or it's always having to be tied to a computer. So that's the whole thing with having a camera. It's deciding on using a dedicated tool specifically for video that gives you some mobility. All right. So, all right, let's, we're going to make some assumptions here. Okay. First one we've made is, is that we are ready to graduate from our phone to the next step. And since you've helped us figure out that maybe the webcam is not necessarily the best choice, we're going the route of camera. Well, okay. Saying I need to get a camera is kind of like saying I need to get a car, you know? Okay. How many different kinds of cars are there? I'm just talking about manufacturers, let alone lines under each manufacturer. Cameras are the same way. So help us process through this from a beginner's standpoint. Where's a good beginning point when it comes to a camera? And For sure. Well, with the, the thought in mind that sometimes, not always, but sometimes price plays a role in it, just like it does when we're buying a car. I mean, sure. Maybe we'd all love to drive a Maybach that's over $400,000. That sounds great. That's not very realistic for most of us. So with that thought in mind, help us with the camera. So in the same way, if we're sticking with that same analogy, when you're working through what card do you want? Yeah, budget will play a price, but uh, or, or place in, in the whole factor and in the equation. However, you have to think about what is the primary function of why I want this. Somebody that is looking to get into drift car racing is different than the NASCAR driver. So it's like you have to figure out what role you're in. So if you're just the average, you know, Jane and Joe, Jane Doe and John Doe, then great. You're looking to get a car that is good with gas mileage, that is um, maybe has four doors. It could be a sedan. Maybe you need a family van or something. So even before we move over into the family van category, even that in itself is a different classification. Right. The person that just needs a four-door sedan 
is the person is trying to get back and forth to work. Maybe it's one, two, three, max four people, or they're making space for if they have guests. But most people, it's just one, maybe two, even though the capacity is four to five. That's your average camera. You're looking for that special use case. Now, for somebody that says, but I have, now you're moving into something else. So the average Joe, Jane person, you need the basic sedan. A basic sedan camera, honestly, is going to be your Canon M6 Mark IIs. It's going to be now, well, Canon R7s and R10s even. Uh, it's going to be your Sony ZV-E10s and maybe the Sony ZV-1s of the world where these are your cameras that are under $800, most run between the five to $700 range. And it has most of the basic functions and features of what you need for basic content creation. Now, when you have that asterisk of, well, is it good for, or basically questions, is it good for video podcasting? Now we need to look into the specifics. So we have a general category of those baseline cameras that I mentioned, but when you start to look at what are my specific needs and does it fit those specific needs, start listing out what are some of the goals and things that you have or want to do over the next one to three years, because someone like myself is keeping up with the market, keeping up with the industry. We're always looking and talking about the most recent and latest, greatest cameras, not to say the one that you got six or five months ago is outdated, but to simply say that the person that is just starting today, here is maybe now their starting point. But that's not to say, you know, what you bought already is, is trash. So look at what are your content goals? What are you trying to do or envision for the next one to three years? And what's going to get you by for 80 to 90% of the time without too many hangups or, or what have you? That's going to be your camera. Don't worry about all the rest. You'll hear a bunch of uh, professionals, cinematographers and professional photographers adding things to the list for that specific profession. But if that's not your goal, the heck with what they're talking about. <laughs> so it can be very simple. You just have to know what to pay attention to and what to ignore, which is basically keeping your needs the primary focus. Okay. Um, quick question related to that. Mm -hmm. um, do you happen to have like a, uh, well, for lack of a better term, an infographic that kind of breaks some of that stuff down, just kind of in a simple little one sheet? It's like, if this is what you're doing, this is the camera you need. If you're doing this, this, like, each step down is like more complicated and there's more stuff that you need. So the, the cameras get obviously more expensive the more things that they do. And that means what we're doing with it becomes more complicated, more intricate. Yeah. Do you so have anything like that? We don't have a PDF. We have a, a resources page on the website so that if you're like a, just keep it simple, like a beginner or intermediate or looking for advanced certain things, then this is the camera and the recommended tools or sets of tools that you would fall into. So that way it's easy to keep that page updated and it's publicly accessible. Um, but yeah, we have that as a resource on, on the website. Okay. Well, folks, we'll be sure to link that in the show notes because that's something I'm going to be checking out because it's going to be helpful to me. And hopefully it's helpful to you. But folks, I got to tell you, we're kind of using today's episode as a bit of a coaching session of Diana coaching me on how to improve my videos. And I'm starting it with the equipment because I think that's the beginning point for most of us. Mm -hmm. So besides camera, the next logical question, and I know you already know this, I'm coming in with microphones. Okay. There are so many different kinds of microphones. Uh, the one I get asked most often, because I, I get asked about these too, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a lot of other podcasters who are starting to do more, you know, short content, what you call the vertical content. And they asked me about lapel mics because I don't use one probably to my own peril, but I don't right now. And so I'm going to ask you, help us with this whole idea of microphones. What's the right type of microphone based upon how we're going to use that? And again, is that, I would assume the more expensive it is, the more it can do. Um, To an extent, yes and no. And for most people, that answer is like, and I would say most as in 80 to 90 percent of most general population, because when you get into that higher tier, it's specific use case lapels. And we're I don't think hardly anybody's going into that realm. And when they do, it's maybe once a year. So, (laughs) so, you know, it's definitely not that like your Tony Robbins, for example, he's screaming, Uh hollering, beating his chest. We don't know what the heck he's going to do, you know, so they have to have a microphone (laughs) that has the (laughs) flexibility to run with that. That's not most people that even if you get elevated at a talk or an event or you're doing public speaking, what I'm going to be talking about is going to be just fine for you. So (laughs) uh, and and here's one one concept that I would uh, implore people to look at when you're looking at gear and equipment, because people are looking at spot buying stuff. And I get it because we all do that collectively. You're looking at the cameras, the microphones, lightings, all the things, accessories. Right. The easiest way to approach this to make sure that you don't leave things out when it comes to any of the gear. I know we're talking about microphones, but just have this perspective going into the conversation is that you need to look, look at a system of equipment that serves your purpose. Okay. So with that, when you're looking at a system of gear, like I said, it may be not just one specific kind of mic. It could be uh, one or two, but there's usually three microphone categories based on the kind of content that you intend to create. And that first category is going to be lapel microphones um, because you're moving away from the built-in microphone, maybe on the smartphone, on a camera or whatever, uh, and just needing to have something. So to start with, the lapel microphone is good to be, one, untethered from whatever source that is. It could be, again, the smartphone. If you're on the go or something, it could be your camera or whatever. So you're free to move about. Maybe you're using a whiteboard, you're teaching, uh, moving across a room. So that way you're using something like the Rode Wireless Go 2 systems that record on the device. So even if a connection was lost for some reason, it's always still recorded. And I like to use the Rode uh, Go lapel microphones or the Rode SmartLav Plus uh, if you are specifically using it with a smartphone, for example, and that's direct connection. And the reason why is because those capsules are small. So it doesn't look like some big old orange sitting on your collar of your, (laughs) you know, we've all seen it. And it's like this big old thing and it's just, it becomes distracting and annoying. Uh, So the aesthetic of it is pleasing, but the quality of it is great. And I've had this microphone now for a long time. I've tried a lot of other ones and it always comes back to those, that setup for a lapel system. Do you need one? It's choice uh, in, again, the what you want to use, but I find most creators have need of it at some point, either to record or talk, come untethered from the desk um, and start doing other things so that even if you turn around from the camera and writing something, the audio is still clear. So those are the reasons if you're looking for, you know, just that flexibility and mobility, a lapel microphone is going to be the go-to. When it comes into, if you do want to do a podcasting or desktop type content creation at, at any type, it's going to be a podcast style microphone. For those, I like to keep it very simple and use dynamic style microphones to pick up audio about the size of your head. 
um, and rejects any other noise from around you. So that way, um, doesn't matter if people are in the kitchen, the living room or what's going on, it's going to reject noise well. But do you need this microphone? I think most people do. About 90 or so percent of the people probably listen to this podcast. We'll need a podcast style microphone. So you always are getting crisp and clear audio. And that last third category for microphones is going to be a shotgun mm. style microphone, which is no cables at all. It's attached to the top of a camera. You'll most commonly see this used for uh, and with vloggers and people that are um, creating content on the go. But that's not the only case. If you don't have a loud uh, surrounding or environment or, again, you just don't want to be tethered to a microphone. Those are great for that style of content creation. So you still can be in your office creating, you can travel or what have you, but you don't have to have anything hooked up to you. It's just making sure the environment is conducive for using that. You know, it's funny, that last style you talked about, that shotgun, I've actually seen recently, and they've probably been around for a while, I just hadn't seen them, where they connect directly to a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And that's it's pretty wild to see them on a smartphone because it's like, it's like this new appendage that grew out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it, because we aren't used to seeing smartphones all rigged up and stuff. Right. But it's, it's very possible. It's just a matter of do you want to use your smartphone? It's usually as simple as an adapter if it's like USB-C only or the Thunderbolt connections for the uh, iDevices. But yeah, they're, they honestly sounds really great with a, with a smartphone. Gotcha. Now, do you get to, I don't know, since this is your world, since video is your world, and obviously equipment is a part of that, mm -hmm. so do you go to like like conferences or trade shows and stuff, and and get to see all the newest and greatest stuff and comes out and test it out? No, and uh, and so the reason for that is because when most brands they moved away from that like circa two thousand seventeen two thousand eighteen, that it used to be like the CES and the NAB, uh, which is like National Association of Broadcasters and Consumers okay. Electronics Show. Those would be two of the, the most highly sought after ones, and they still have those, but you're mostly camera manufacturers have started doing their own thing. And if they do, they invite only like a small select group to come out and test equipment. Um, however, thankfully that still led to, for example, a partnership uh, with Sony, a uh, partnership uh, with different like microphone companies and stuff like that to when something is released, it just gets sent to you directly. So they kind of moved away from that there's still some brands like software uh, technology companies, maybe some stuff like microphones or like something like the Rodecaster Pro, for example, maybe that may show up, but it's usually after the fact. So they, it's interesting. They've kind of moved away from that. Hmm. Okay. Now, do you have partnerships like that? Yeah. Uh, like I said, Sony is the, the most re recent acquisition. Um, hmm. the brands like Small Rig um, and just a, a couple other ones that are, are really great where, again, it's like when something gets released, or before it's getting released, something will come in the office to test it and get it sent out uh, for me to use or to keep, uh, which is really nice. So that's been awesome to get a chance to test it without, let's say, a um, controlled environment where it's certain limitations of, oh, well, we don't want you to use it that way. It's no restrictions like here, test it. Let us know what you think. Try it. Make whatever content you want with it or don't. So it's very hands off, which I which I like. <laughs> OK, so. Tell me about one or two pieces you've tested recently. Um, most recently would be what comes top of mind is the Loop Deck Live, um, which is a fantastic bit of kit, which is just about yay big. And it has some analog knobs on it and it's a touchpad screen. Most people would have seen like the Stream Deck keys or something to that effect where people may be switching cameras or they're switching 
from one setup, maybe where they're sharing the screen to just them on screen only. Uh, the loop that Live has made doing stuff like that and honestly just being more efficient with the daily processes, even outside of content creation. So that was one uh, that's recently you'll see like come on a channel. I've been testing that for a couple months even uh, just to make sure it's like completely solid. And then the other one would be the new Sony APS-C lenses that just came out. They sent me the 10 to 20 F4, 10, yeah, 10 to 20 F4 power zoom lens, the 11 millimeter F1.8 and the 15 uh, millimeter F1.4 lens. Uh, so those are here in the office. Now, this isn't exactly equipment, but it is a very important question. Backgrounds. Mm. When you're creating video, I, right now I'm thinking specifically static, meaning it's a it's an area where you're going to be there. It's not going to change. You're not going to be moving around, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. You've got one school of thought saying, you know, you need to, you know, create it and make it exactly how you want it to be. And others are more of the, let's make it, you know, it's computer generated. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on actual backgrounds versus computer generated? I find mostly when people are doing something like computer generated, it's because they want to not have to worry about it and know that it will always look the same. Whereas with a natural environment, it's because it's a livable real space. Um, so for example, I think it should be like a livable real space if you can. Some people are literally up against a, a solid wall and they don't have like the office space or wherever the desk is to have anything. So like a green screen, digital uh, screen behind them would work um, and would work, work best in their situation versus just you know, I'm, my back is up against the wall for some people. Mm. Um, I think having a natural space works well because one, it's an area that you actually can use and, and interact with. And then two, um, there's bits of your personality in it. So for me, that would be, you know, uh, for example, there's one with me in elementary school holding my clarinet. Most of the time it's blurred out and you can't see it, but I know what's back there. I know that that um, specific piece exists or it could be my X-Men action figures from Storm. And so those are, you know, put out throughout the different things. And then, of course, the books. So just different things that speak to my personality, my interests, but it's a livable, usable space on and off camera that I can use and interact with. And so I find that those just tend to be more functioning because you're actually uh, use it versus trying to create some ambiance or, or scenario. Yeah, you sure want it to, to look nice or what have you. But I just find like for most people, it's more normal to just set up something that's true to you um, or true of, of your environment or your setup and go with that versus trying to make green screen work because green screen still has to be lit well. You have to make sure that, again, it's done properly so that it does look right versus you have a green halo outline and then, you know, kind of looking a little bit awkward. Right, right. Okay. If you're talking about a solo creator, not always, but many times, especially in the beginning, that mm -hmm. also means you're solo editor. So that naturally brings up the discussion of software. Where do we start with that, Diana? Because there are so many options. Oh my gosh. There may even be more than cameras. I don't know for mm -hmm. sure, but. Probably. I'd, I'd put money on that one. <laughs> it probably <laughs> is. Um, the where to start, most people will find themselves picking a lane because of the computer system that they use. So either okay. you are a Windows-based machine user, maybe even Linux, or you're using uh, a Mac-based system. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't choose that way. Initially, I started looking that way, and that's what you use to get started with. However, I am someone that highly prizes and values efficiency. 
Okay. And so I made ultimately the decision to switch from PC to Mac based on that. Because even though uh, Adobe Premiere Pro, for example, will work on both, and these are fine programs, it's just, you know how you learn best, you know what's going to frustrate you and annoy you, stay away from those things. Let's not even try to make that stuff work. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that was me. Mm -hmm. You can watch tutorials, but you won't actually know until you start using something. And so whether that's borrowing somebody's computer for a day and it's like, can I get a free trial and test it on your computer? And everybody's going to say yes. So it's like, fine. So when I didn't have a Mac, you can test that. Um, when you have a PC or if you need access to a better one, you can usually ask permission because you can get rid of a free trial, uninstall, whatever. And it's like it, the program was never there. Um, so I did that. I tested both. Um, I went ahead and bought a Mac, but I tested both the PC version and the um, full version of, of on a Mac. And that's Final Cut Pro. When it comes to editing, again, you'll figure out where where you kind of like like a situation or, or platform. I just did not like the ability to, and this is as simple as that decision was. If I see something in the top left of the screen, can I take the mouse and move it over here? If I know that's where I want it to go. Yeah. With Premiere, I needed to use the X and Y axes to move it over. I couldn't drag and drop. Oh, okay. With Final Cut Pro, I could. As long as it, and again, it being a modern and primary software tool, I saw people, you know, make, feature films and stuff off of it. It has anything I would do. If it can go all the way up to a motion picture film, it's, it's fine. Anything I'm going to do with it, it's, it's fine. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> that, that was it. Because for me, my average everyday thing, especially coming from being a beginner, everybody starts from being a beginner. Mm -hmm. What is the easiest thing for me? I see an image or I say, oh, I want this moved over here when it first pops up on screen. I just want to drag and drop and move it. And it was that simple. So if you're somebody that is, Again, more clinical in nature, maybe architectural style thinking of maybe Adobe Premiere is for you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you always because I'm not about that life. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was absolute house. Can I just, does it look simple, easy to use, and how quickly can I use it? So the way I test stuff, especially when you're not an editor, you need to get your hands on it. Everything's going to look amazing on YouTube. Everybody, everybody's going to say it's easy on YouTube. That has nothing to do with how long it takes for those things to click in your mind. So I downloaded both. I took a, vi a very simple video, like a 60 second video or something like that, one or two minutes. And so I've made something that I actually need to turn into a real video. Mm. So now I'm not looking at it from what's the possibilities, because that's a very big umbrella versus I'm looking for the scope. What's the scope of work that I'm going to do in the scope of use? For a regular video, I'm going to have a lower third. Maybe it's a title screen. It's a transition. It's adding music and that's it. You know, in, in a nutshell, it's like essentially that's the basic tutorial kind of video or sharing a screen share or something like that. Mm -hmm. When I did both on Premiere, I even tried DaVinci Resolve. DaVinci Resolve was a hell no. Premiere Pro was a hell no. And so Final Cut was just like, welcome. We're, we have, you know, buttered biscuits ready for you. It was all laid out. <laughs> And I felt very comfortable and confident using it. And it was so much faster and easier. So when you have to look up for the how to do things, you might always find a tutorial. It may always look easy, but in application and use is how I think you'll figure out what's honestly going to work for you. And usually when you trust your gut is usually right. And so that was the gut decision, like get a Mac. And for me, get Ecamm, uh, Ecamm Live, because that was something else that was a Mac only tool that seemed to fit how I learn 
and how I like to do things, which is very simple and efficiently. And then Final Cut Pro. So I'm like, that's enough for me to switch. And I did. <laughs> and it worked, it's worked out well. Okay. All right. I mean, there's another aspect we could get into, which is lighting. Um, but for now, I think folks are probably a little overwhelmed with the specifics that we've gotten into. So I, I want to kind of broaden things out a little bit. Okay. I want to start talking about the creation of videos. Again, the long form versus the short form. Mm. And, and the advantages and disadvantages of both. So let's start with short form. And I know it depends on the platform you put it on. So in Instagram world, that's, you know, reels and stories, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, although in Facebook, they kind of call it the same thing. Of course, they're owned by the yeah. same company. So, um, you know, they have shorts on YouTube. Uh, just help us out with this whole idea of this short form video, what's it good for, max length, that sort of thing. Yeah, even though, um, and I think it's good to point that out, a lot of these platforms, one, everybody's stealing from TikTok and, and everybody stole from <laughs> Snapchat. So let's just, you know, get the elephant out, out in the room. So everybody's stealing. So features are coming to all of these different tools or, well, we can make videos longer. And it's just like a battle of who stole the biscuit and everybody's still in the biscuit, you know, it's like, so when it comes down to platforms, the base principle is 60 seconds or less. Okay. So TikTok will come out and, you know, say, well, you can do 10 minute videos now. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I know reels just extended, even like the stories and other. congratulations, stick with 60 seconds or less because most people and the average view time for a, a video, even in short form, you ranging, unless you're doing some really good elements to get, to make sure that that person is consistently consuming that content. And then something I'll talk about in a little bit, which is a loop factor so that they, they watch it over again. Oh. Most, most times it's like 46 seconds roughly. And for some people that can range in like the 20 to 30 second mark, um, if the video is not doing a, a good job in that first half, because short form content is a great way to become a great content creator, honestly, when it comes to even just the regular longer form horizontal videos. So 60 seconds or less is a good range to learn and get really proficient with doing. Because when you see the longer time frames, that just gives you permission to waste people's time more in your mind because you're <laughs> like, well, I have longer time to talk with it. Or I have longer time to describe something. But just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Mm. And so short form is great. For if you're somebody like me that describes things, like I'll give you three and four examples. I used to be really bad in tutorials and stuff uh, early on because I'm just, I would have conversations in a video as if it was in real life where people aren't worried about if this is the third or second example or whatever. In video, they can rewind. So you have to take that in mind and the fact that they are consuming multiple things maybe around the same topic. So you're not their video number one. You're usually like video number 100. So taking that into an account, short form is great to help people start to learn the concept of getting to the point, get to the point, share the, the reason for why somebody would click or be interested and stop. That's literally it. Share the point and stop. And if it's something else you want to share, that's another video. And that transcends even into regular form content. So no matter what all these platforms will do is they will continue to introduce more features and longer forms. 60 seconds or less is always going to be, be a good uh, baseline. Okay. For the shorts. Now, what about mm -hmm. longer form? Longer form is going to be dependent because people now, they're going into these kinds of videos with a different mindset. 
when you're looking for a specifically how to do something, if you talk about things like we just did with software, you have a whole software system like Final Cut that you now have to figure out and learn or Adobe Premiere or Ecamm Live. And you're trying like you have a bunch of questions flowing. So you are scheduling time to figure out all of these answers, hopefully in a progressive process with longer form content. Yes, the same principles apply as getting to the point, but people are planning to spend more time with you. But again, that does not mean that it's because you can make a 10 minute video. If you could have done that video in three, then it needs to be a three minute video. And that can be a good, successful, longer form piece of content, not in time wise, but just in the, the overall perspective when people are coming to that video, what's their, their mindset. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So right now, as of June, 2022, what are you creating more of right now? Are you doing more of the short form? Or are you doing more of the long form? We're probably at still like an 80-20 in the sense that 80% of the content that we make is our regular longer form horizontal 16 by 9 videos, stuff you post to YouTube just for your regular video content mm -hmm. because that's the primary focus. Um, I don't foresee it ever really changing from that, even like the 20, because the 20% is still a big 20% because a good portion of that is stuff that we're um, pulling from our regular content forms and okay. turning that into micro content. And right. then the other half of that 20% is still making sure that we're creating dedicated pieces for the specific platforms. So you're not going to see this as a regular video. This is literally just that short form piece because it could be an answer to a question, which is using like the native tools in an application like a TikTok or Instagram Reel, where you see like the comment sitting at top on the top. Um, okay. not, and you didn't have to add it. You just click on it. It's like, you want to create a video? You say yes, and that's the answer. So it's a dedicated piece, or it may be a piece that, again, we're strategically creating just in vertical format only. Okay. You mentioned a few of the different platforms that are out there. Mm -hmm. In your mind right now, what are the best platforms to use and why? And I know that term best is subjective. I get that. Sure. The best platform is going to be the best place to connect with your people. Okay. Everybody, like we all will have like a profile on the, on these different platforms, like as a consumer of, of the product. Right. We're all going to be on there, but we're not going to be the same person on the application. So when you log into Facebook, you're usually either because you paid for a course and maybe there's a, a, a Facebook group associated or something. You're there for that on those occasions, but you're mostly there to like engage with family and friends, unless again, you're going there specifically to post on your Facebook business page or something like that. Sure. But most of the primary people that are going to that platform, family, friends, and engagement, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. When you go to Instagram, you probably are only caring about fashion and knitting or whatever your maybe interests are and certain people that you like to follow. So you're there, but you're mostly there in some other consumer aspect. You're not, not that you can't connect with family and friends, but those aren't the majority of the people that you follow, watch, or maybe engage or connect with. Maybe you're trying to learn something. On TikTok, it's a whole other scope um, altogether. It's kind of almost completely interest-based. Then you're getting to know the people and then you follow them maybe for that reason. It's not you're going to family, your family, family or friends on TikTok. So the where you, you, you want to spend time or the best one is going to be what's the best place to have that intent based on the, the consumer. Where are you going to meet them at? Is it, does it make sense for Facebook because it's a group or it's a business page or something? 
Is it Instagram? Because they're looking for, again, some relational aspect, but they're just, you know, maybe could be their older millennials or whatever. They're on the platform. Or is it TikTok where you have a wide variety of people you can honestly reach a wider audience faster because it's solely interest based? The first things that people are going to do on TikTok when they first set up an account, they have to curate the algorithm because that's what it's going to teach and train them to do, which is make this work for you. We have a bunch of stuff here. We, we want you to care about only the things that you honestly are interested in. We'll start showing you that stuff. And the algorithm is exceptionally good at doing that on TikTok. So it's solely interest based. So if you only want to watch knitting tutorials or people in the knitting space or whatever, you, they'll give you that and just that and serve you well there. So that's going to be like the best place to spend your time and start posting to um, for these platforms and stuff. Okay. Why is video the king of content? And do you anticipate that staying that way? Yeah, the only thing I can see supplanting video, even maybe slightly to an extent, is probably going to be like 3D metaverse kind of stuff because okay. that's um, some other world kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, alien technology, if you will. There's some other world kind of stuff. And I think the more we get people into adoption, which I think is a few years out, but the more we get into mass adoption, we'll probably see that. And newer generations will be more apt to that. So we're a ways away from that. But video is the, the, the king of content because it is one of the few forms of content where you can really interact with people. Podcasting, again, is great. You get to hear the voice inflections. You get to hear the laugh. You get personality and all of that. The difference is body language still can be read online. Like people can still look you in the eye, even though for you to look them in the eye, you got to look in the lens of the camera. You know what I'm saying? So there's still levels of connectivity. Um, and the only thing that supplants that is live video, still another video form, but it's the only thing that's going to give you as close of a connection as when you meet somebody in person and meeting somebody in person, like the, the transitions exceptionally well. Podcasting is cool. But you still got to read the person. You're like, oh, can are you a hugger? Are you a handshaker? Are you just like a give me 50 feet kind of like, you know, you still are guessing. Whereas as you've been talking to somebody with video, you may have a sliver of that or, or what have you when you first meet somebody. But you're ready to give them a hug because you know. Them. And how do I know? I've had that. So and I'm very introverted. So <laughs> that the, the hugs bother me or whatever, because I'm kind of prepared for it. But that's the thing is like, oh, my gosh. And it's like, oh, hey, and it's like give them a, it's instant, instant. Just meeting that person for the first time in real life, video does that. And it's not just because it's me, because if anything, I'm the least person to, you know, engage in that way. So video is the king just because it's as close to normal human connectivity and relationship metrics that we would just naturally get from meeting somebody and being with people. Video does that in a way that the other mediums can't transcend and haven't over many years now. All right. I want to transition now into your book. Mm. I'm very excited about your new book. So tell us all about it. What's it called? What's it about? Okay. So uh, I'm very excited to talk about this too. So it's very new. <laughs> it's called The Video uh, Creator's Recipe, A Beginner's Guide to Taking um, taking Your Videos from Bland to Bingeable on YouTube. And the reason I created this book is because a lot of people have the, I feel like it, it's still a dated sense of perspective when it comes to YouTube and how it works. Now, I'm mostly talking to entrepreneurs getting into content creation, but it can be somebody that just has an interest getting into content creation. But more or less, that business aspect comes into play because money is always going to be involved. And it's only so far you can go before, you know, it takes from a hobby to some level of business uh, aspect. 
So I'm talking to those individuals. And the concept is that you, you can do very well on YouTube. And it's, it's, yes, it's work, but it's work that honestly is worth it. And so taking, and like I said, all those mistakes that I made or just describing stuff, taking hell as to, you know, it's like a 15, I remember it's like a 19 minute video when I was first getting started. That video now, had I to do it, would be a three minute video. Mm. Just from like some of the basic concepts of you maybe have your vision in mind, you know who you want to talk to, or maybe you're still fleshing that out a little bit. But usually when you have a business, you know who that business, that product or service is going to be serving. Okay, now how can we transition that into serving this as bingeable content? Content that people like, people watch, people like you, they get to know you more uh, than just quote unquote your brand name, right? So McDonald's doesn't have personality associated. People say, well, what about Ray Kroc? Ray's not around. He ain't making content. Nope. The Hamburglar, Grimace, all the rest of those guys that got fired a long time ago, they ain't been around. So average day kid, they don't know who any, they don't know anything about those guys. We do from growing up, but those personalities don't exist. Uh, and so what you want to look at doing with your brand and your videos is having that flow from progressive kind of aspect. When most people think progressive, they think those commercials with flow or they're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I love flow. Or they've seen it or, you know, they have some remembrance. That aspect, that caricature is represented so that there can be a personality associated with the brand. Because if you like flow, you'll do business with flow. You really don't care about progressive the brand, but you like progressive because you like flow. And that's what you want your videos to do. And so it's just going through the process of like we do talk about gear. Um, I try to get away from mentioning specific um, names of cameras because that can change in two days, <laughs> literally right, with a right. new release. So, but more so like the features and knowing how to approach the gear and your needs and buying according and buying systems of what you need to serve that, that specific role versus just getting stuff and hoping it works. And then learning how to take, you know, and craft an actual video that people like, they consume, that not just fuels the business, but honestly is very rewarding because you're building relationships. Oh, for sure. Now, folks, I'm going to go ahead and mention this here, as I often do when I have someone who has a book. And if you've gotten this far into this particular episode, well, first of all, yay, thank you for doing that. But also, this is going to be a reward to you. So the first person who, on their handy-dandy phone, takes a snapshot of this particular episode, you have to tag Diana and you have to tag me, both of us. When you post that and I see it, first person who does that is going to get a free signed copy of her book on me. So we will make that happen. Make it happen. And I will sweeten the pot. And uh -oh. he doesn't know I'm going to do this. So <laughs> I will sweeten the pot to say to that person that went, that does that and gets selected, I'll add on a 30-minute free consultation to help you actually make your videos go from bland to bingeable. So I will oh. throw that on to sweeten the pot a bit. Wow. Are you kidding me? A free 30 minute coaching session with you? Oh, man. You guys, I wish I could win it. <laughs> Just for that. So, yeah. All right. Man, I'm digging that. All right. We're getting close to wrap up time, but there's a few quick questions I want to get to before we get to our final four, which, by the way, will be a different final four from the ones we did before. Okay. So, time. no cheating. <laughs> That's right. So, we're not doing that. What's your number one go to habit? Hmm. I would say now uh, it's prayer and journaling in the morning. So okay. prayer and journaling in the morning. Gotcha. I ask all my guests that. 
because I think it's really, really important. The, the things that we hold most dear, the things that are the most important to us, we make time for. And it says a lot about who we are as people. So thank you. I agree sharing. with that 100%. What is failing in your world? Oh, that's a good thing. Um, I would say failing is honestly getting distracted. Failing is getting distracted because that little small wedge of distraction extended out a couple months, couple years, even a week even, is a big mile away from. And most people don't pay attention until they get further down the road. And you'd be like, oh, man, I've been so. I would say, I, honestly, it would be distraction because that's how I foresee that. Okay. And how would you differentiate failing versus failure? Failure means I've given up. Failing is expected. Failing is normal. Failure means I have no intentions of overcoming the last failing or last series of failings. I have no intentions of doing anything about that. And I'm, I'm just walking away. That's failure to me. Um, and so it's not to say to change your mind or being given new direction on the what you should do. But failure is just completely writing it out and I'm done. It's, it's quitting, completely quitting. Failure, though, that's, that's a given. Fail or failing, you're, you're going to be failing. You're going to be doing that all the time. <laughs> well, I'd, and I couldn't agree more with how you defined those terms. Um, those are excellent. I appreciate you sharing that. Where can folks find you? Of course, it can be dianagladney.com, which is my website. And then, of course, if you search my name or you go to youtube.com forward slash dianagladney, then I will be there also. Two most obvious places to find you, for sure. But, folks, she is on other platforms as well. Uh, she is on Instagram. Uh, she is on TikTok. I know that. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys can definitely find her. She puts content out all the time. Um, oh, this is important. I don't know why I didn't ask this question earlier. Before we get to the final four, this, one, ooh, this is so important. And depending upon who you talk to, you can get, if I talk to 10 people, I'll get 10 different answers. Frequency. How often do we need to be getting our content out? It needs to be a daily thing, like multiple times per day. And that I already know is frustrating the heck out of some people just like, I don't have time for that. Guess what? There's tools built. And I, again, I am all for efficiency. I live for it. There's tools to help you be present when you don't want to be, when you don't, you know what I'm saying? Like to give you breathing space and to actually live life. And it is okay not to post. But I would say a daily representation is important. That could be as simple as a 15-second story. It can be as simple as like engaging on other, like you've made posts and now you have comments and you're engaging with those and you're posting. So yeah, you know, I'm sure there will be those that say post every day, multiple times a day on every platform, everywhere. Like, no, because there's a such thing as living real life, right? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> taking, you know, taking rest uh, and taking rest is rewarding to knowing that the work that you put in before is doing its job and it's working. So use tools and efficiencies and stuff like that to post when you need to step away and stuff like that. But daily is just to say, like, I'm coming in, I'm engaging, or you're actively posting something that you have scheduled in advance. So use efficiency and service-based tools to do that. Like, you know, you have Later, Agora Pulse, all these different ones out there that will schedule and post everything that you want to. So you only need to do it maybe once, maybe twice a month or something like that, or it could be every couple months, depending on how you plan stuff out. But it doesn't have to right. be that, but daily is going to be important, at least for short form, like social media posting one to two times per week. If you're looking at something like a YouTube video. Yeah. Uh, folks, you've heard me say this before when it comes to posting on social media, regardless of the platform. One of the best things that 
I learned how to do, and it's been a little while ago, is to plan out my month ahead of time as far as what I'm going to post and, you know, figuring out the, the different topics that I'm going to cover and in which days I'm going to do them. Because that way I'm not struggling with what do I do today? Yep. I, I find that very, very helpful. And if that's something that's of interest to you, uh, let me know and I can send you, I mean, just this basic, essentially, it's, it's kind of like a calendar that I can send to you that you can just use to fill out every month. It's, it's very easy. Now, I won't say that it originated with me because it is not mine. I don't mind saying whose it is. I, I love her to death. It's Jasmine Starr. I learned mm. from her. She is amazing at this stuff. Um, she, she is the queen of posting content. Oh, my gosh. She is amazing at it. So big shout out to Jasmine. She's a rock star when it comes to this for stuff. For sure. Definitely is. All right. So are you ready for the final four? I'm ready. Okay. And before, before we get to that, is there any last or parting words that you want to share or anything you would like to promote? I would say the last thing I would share because uh, we definitely we've already talked about the book, but the last thing I would definitely share is the, the moniker that I live by uh, and that I honestly teach to any one of my students is just learn and do. And that concept of when you learn something, go actually do it, go execute on what you've learned. Accumulating a bunch of things that you never actually execute on is just as good as if you had never accrued them because you're not doing anything with it. So when you learn something new, go and do something with it. You're only going to get better by the doing and the executing on it. So don't be afraid to execute on things that you've learned. So go learn and do. That's right. Because remember, when you're executing and doing, you are going to fail, but you're going to learn in the process. 100%. All right. Now it's time for our final four. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. What keeps you up at night? Mm, I, my own thoughts and too much coffee. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I can understand that. I have a hard time turning my brain off. Yeah. And honestly, that's, that's me. I won't say every entrepreneur I know is like that, but a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are like that. We just constantly have ideas flowing mm -hmm. all the time. Question number two, what brings you joy? Mm, I would say reading and journaling mm -hmm. are important because it's, it's like, that's, like that's something I do consistently. But reading, I said, so the, the learning and growing aspect is me 10 over 10 but then journaling and getting out what i'm thinking and, and wanting to do so yeah those are my two okay number three who is investing in you right now mm. i would definitely say uh my mentor ray edwards um okay he's he's been doing uh quite a lot um for me in my business and with the brand and everything so i'm extremely grateful honored and humbled uh, so i would definitely say ray edwards oh that's great because ray's going to be on the show very soon Ah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. I love Ray. Yeah. Ray's a great guy. All right. Question number four. And this one's just a little bit different. So I, I have to kind of set it up before you can get to answer it. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. But it's, it's fun. It's a fun question. <laughs> if you were headed into witness protection and you could only take one person with you that is not family, who would you take and why? Do I know why I'm going into witness protection? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you know why. We don't necessarily know why. Okay. I don't know, John. I can, I can give you a reason if that will help. No, because, I mean, you think, uh, like, the worst, like, the mafia, you've done something and you've ratted somebody out. Now you're, like, you know, on the run. Or but... you saw something you weren't supposed to see. Not family. Yeah, not family. Because family's too easy. Yeah. 
I wouldn't take anybody's family anyway. I, I need somebody that's going to help. But you <laughs> Remember, witness protection, you're relocating. You cut off all ties with everybody else. So this is the person you're going to live with. You're going to do life with this person. I, I'd have to say maybe my best friend. Because okay. at that point, it's like maybe this not family. Yeah. Probably going to be my best friend. Because if she's around, granted, we can concoct some scheme to see about getting through whatever got us in this situation. And then, too, sometimes you need to get grungy. You know, you, you, you got to do some stuff. Obviously, they, whatever got you there to get you out and witness protection. But that's that's kind of heavy. <laughs> I'd say my best friend, though. <laughs> OK. All right. Well, I thought it was kind of fun. I'm sorry it was a little too heavy. No, it just is interesting. You say you're in witness protection. You're like, OK. Is it the mafia? And who's after <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Diana, I really appreciate your time today and for sharing your wisdom with us. And that wisdom has come, you earned it. It has come through learning things, you know, making mistakes, failing, as we talked about before. But you've been able to push forward and to be able to apply better practices now, be able to figure out what works for you in these particular situations and your willingness to share that with others. So I'm grateful for who you are and for what you're bringing to the world. Well, it is an honor for sure to be here. And thank you so much for for the words that are well received. And I just hope that, again, those that listen to this episode, they go and they learn and do. If they do that, they'll be all right. That's right, folks. So remember Diana's words, learn and do. Both are required. So thanks very much for you all being here today, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.